Hello, uh, and welcome to episode, I think it's seven, I think it's seven, part two of two. Yeah, I've not checked it, but I think it's seven. If not, it's just the the next part with recent area, really. Um, so yeah, welcome to part part two, episode seven uh, of the Mythos podcast. Um, this one's just going to be a short, sharp one, because um, I've got a got a lot of stuff to do in terms of getting ready for the bike trip and uh i've yeah um, i'm i'm off to iceland um to see a friend um and going with a friend and it's going to be a beautiful trip because we last went i think it was seven years ago when we actually first met um in in asia so fingers crossed as well i'm gonna yeah that's why it was a bit rushed because i i haven't packed yet so i'm i'm hopefully taking the podcast stuff and we're going to do a, a podcast with him because uh it'll be yeah it'll be very a very good podcast yeah he's a very very lovely dude so yeah this one's gonna be a short sharp one um uh i've i've fully moved back down well i've, I've fully um you know taken my stuff back from uh, uh from Froome now um because yeah d and i went, went our separate ways during the covid time and we had a love had a lovely time in somerset lovely time with d and it's just lovely now that we've got this beautiful friendship that we're now starting. Um, and a big shout out to Joe and Adam who came down all the way down to Froome in the evening to help with my stuff and moving it back. It was just like a, yeah, I felt I felt very very humbled um, to know such such lovely people that would go to such depths and um, so yeah, I'm I'm just very honoured and very uh, very grateful for your efforts. So if you listen to this, uh, thank you very much. Um, in this episode, we uh, we talk about living in San Antonio, uh, Texas, which is where Ariel um, is originally from. Um, we talk about the community. We talk about the community of poets uh, and just community in general. And we also talk about um, there's a lot, quite a lot about the fringe actually, which is quite uh, yeah quite a quite a good topic to discuss and about the different styles of what goes into making a fringe a fringe um and then we have some advice for like artists or poets uh photographers um so if you're starting out listen to this and it's it's really good stuff um i hope you can take something away and, and use it in your in, in your lives uh the intro song last week was actually by bat was actually uh, a band that reese was in called milo bean um i'm unsure of how long they were together or whatever it is but um yeah they're really good so i hope you enjoyed that and this week we're going to uh start the podcast with some uh some some poetry from ariel um she has a wonderful wonderful way with words and it's it's yeah a shame that you can't actually see the performance because that it just makes it even more uh special so i'll, I'll put links in so you can actually see the performance on on, on youtube um but yeah we'll just have the the uh dialogue from it um yeah dive into it enjoy it and uh i'll catch you soon thank you ciao ciao bye the gods of rhythm granted us the gift of movement to make mortality seem mere illusion so come let us pray an ode to merengue a dance and musical style native to the dominican republic Shuffle sharp that dance, that slave shackle turn joy, 
that cintura tan suave, that long lost child of Ottawa and Bangogo, that West African drum with colonized tongue. Watch this body walk upon water that's swallowed its cousins and wish it couldn't clap my name from your mouth like slave ships did give me these hips or this hair that strangers keep shoving their white fingers into like a throat. Like I am tame enough for petting zoo since half my body was carved from a white man's. How long it take you to clock me as blacker or whiter than you? This body has been shipwrecked upon the white oeste, merengue tan rico, pero too many black men have wished on these freckles like shooting stars. Hey, your mom, you mixed? And too many white men have called this hair pillow and this booty ghetto for me to know where my skin wasn't commodity, wasn't fetish only, merengue. That dance, that slave shackle turned joy, that cintura tan suave, that long lost child of Aroa and Pangogo, that West African drum with colonized tongue, only that feels safe enough to call home. What was the, what was the place that, that you said that you lived for a while and you said was real, like a, like a nice hub of Texas? San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. Hey, okay. what was that like? What's uh, that like? God, it is a city full of characters. Everyone you meet is has just a massive personality. You might not like them much, but they are definitely no boring people there. Um, yeah, that was the place I came of age there. I uh, turned 18 before I moved there, but then I turned 21 there, which is the drinking age. Um, learn, that's where I went to university. Um, kind of like became a people in that city, mm -hmm. learned how to bartend and wait tables in that city. Um, yeah, had my first real heartbreak in that city. <gasps> it was a good time. Just learned how to swing a, dance. <laughs> just want to put a little guitar piece in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Uh, yeah. Next time. I, mm. might, I, might, I might cut out and just put a little ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's not really yeah. hard music, actually. But yeah. yeah, it was a yeah, like San Antonio is beautiful. The art scene is incredible, and really? it gets largely ignored because it is not dominated by white people, like mm -hmm. in L.A., New York, and Austin. Um, yeah, doesn't really get the funding because conservative governments don't really like giving arts funding to people. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it's thriving anyway. <laughs> At least you have an arts department, you know. <laughs> oh no, we don't. Oh really? <laughs> no. The federal one. The uh, the National Endowment for the Arts. Yeah. Uh, it is one one hundredth of one percent of the national Damn. budget. Wow. Uh, wow. And uh, the current government is lobbying to nix it all together. Yeah. So. We just rolled uh, our entire. We have a federal uh, department of the arts. Uh, which has always been given maybe a tenth to a hundredth of the sporting uh, grant allocation money to give out to artists throughout the year and, and do positive things within the arts community, which is a broad thing on its own, just having a department of the arts. Uh, but they've just announced uh, there was a, a study done that said that there was a bit too much uh, spending in government, which is how they've gone from a positive to a negative in two short terms but uh <laughs> in the spending the recommendation was that they cut some of the state departments and instead they cut the federal arts department and rolled it into the department of infrastructure and transport so uh, 
so now now the federal arts department is being overseen by the uh, minister for transport. Oh, that, I mean that makes absolute sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, because really? people travel to go see art. Well, people also travel the, to see art. The and... wheels on the bus is a timeless classic. And uh, I don't think it's had enough credit. I mean, no is it an Australian classic? No, one of ours. It's one of ours. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it an English tune? No idea. Probably. We've got the Wiggles. What the Wiggles on the bus? Well, no, we've got the band, the Wiggles. Oh right, okay. And they did, they did Big Red Car. If I'm thinking of transport songs. Okay, how's that go? Uh, beep beep, chugga chugga, Big Red Car. <laughs> Which, I mean, you can't. People don't write like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was funding for that, then you know. Some... <laughs> well, I'm saying this: this is the kind of music we can have in a new infrastructure-led arts department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only, only, only transportation songs. Like <laughs> Yellow submarine, maybe. I mean, yeah. that, you know. So, is it is it, is it particularly difficult? Uh, as artists to 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 make livings to yeah via via those kind of uh, stumbling and hurdling blocks would you say i think in real talk you have to uh redefine what you consider making a living with oh, as an artist i think honestly um to be able to kind of eat and have accommodation and not uh be homeless um you as an artist you have to do a lot of different sacrifices uh anywhere in the world i would say um and i think that means that my definition of making a living would be quite different to someone like an australian doctor Interesting. Uh, or an Australian politician's definition mm. of making a living. That's a very, very good way of putting it, actually. Would you, would you concur with that, or have you got a... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I... Like, the, the last time that I was, like, fully making a living and surviving off of the money that I was making as an artist um, was when I was... Around the time that recent I met, actually. Um, but I had lucked out and found a very very cheap room in one of the loveliest share houses that I think I've ever even heard of, much less been in. <laughs> um, just a lot of communal meals, a lot of like open communication. Everyone respected each other. Everyone liked each other. We had a great time living together. And I think I was paying something like 65 a week. Uh, US dollars. Um, uh, Australian dollars. Australian dollars, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was nuts um that's crazy yeah i never wanted to leave um <laughs> <laughs> especially since i really loved my housemates there too um but yeah so with that i was able to like just with that being able to afford accommodations like i was living off of probably about 500 australian a month which mm -hmm. equates to about like what like 300 euro a month mm -hmm. and i was living on and i was happy like I'd go out, I'd, if I went out, I would buy maybe one beer um, or like w a glass of wine or two. Mm. Um, but like, I've never really been one who like needed alcohol to have a good time. Yeah, right. Um, and then like, 
if someone like if a friend had like come into some money like oh yeah i'll get a round of drinks for people like that's great um Lovely. And it like, sounds like a real like community kind of yeah yeah and i mean like the poetry communities that i've stumbled into and again i say this word like it was very much like ah, accidentally like wobbling here and there and then finding people by accident who were really amazing um but the poetry communities that i've stumbled across on every continent have all been incredible uh oh, people okay. like they've given me couches to live on when I like had to leave Australia and had, like went to Southeast Asia and like met some poets there, met in Singapore, went to Malaysia. Um, I suppose, I suppose you would have that shared kind of understanding of like, you know, there's peaks and troughs, there's times where you're successful, there's times when you're, when you're kind of yeah. okay, when you're not, and you need that kind of support. And Yeah. You know. And like when I was living in Melbourne, I had like poets from like, Northern Ireland come through and like crash on my couch. And so it's it all kind of like goes in and out and around and everyone in the fa in the community sort of takes care of each other to an extent. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how we ended up in Cork <laughs> when yeah, right. we flew into Dublin. <laughs> it's like, oh, like our friends, because that's what it is really. You just make friends with people who do the same thing you do. And they're like, ah, we're going to this fun thing. You want to come with us? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, the, do, do do poets? I suppose I suppose they're different style, but is is there a um, is there a, a similarity in terms of like a like a nationality of a poet? Does that does that is that any is there any not conformity? But is there any? Are you saying like is a would a UK poet have a certain style that maybe a US yeah, poet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Or you know, like a Northern Irish poet. Or, there's definitely yeah. tendencies. Yeah. yeah, like in a very broad sense, I would say so. But that's just because like different styles and trends in art move differently through different places. Mm -hmm. um, I would also add that um, a large part of uh, performance art um, can often be dictated by where the money is in that field. So slam poetry is probably the one of the most reliable ways to make money. Mm -hmm. So slam poetry depends on audience votes, which means you need to be doing stuff that the audience wants to hear. And that can make a big difference when you change geographically between audiences. Mm -hmm. Like UK audiences tend to prefer comedy and rhyming mm -hmm. and American audiences pretend, uh, tend to prefer, would you say like race politics uh, really just anything, political, anything um, political and politically relevant. Yeah. Um, which doesn't lend a whole lot of um, leeway if you're not necessarily writing every single poem you ever, <laughs> that pops into your head about politics yeah. or including some aspect of politics in it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, politics, uh, yeah, especially like um, sex, uh, sex politics are very... Uh, do very well with audiences in Australia. I I would say. I don't know. Would you agree? Yeah, sex and race. Yeah, oh, interesting. Okay, because 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 you were saying that you found it quite uh, surprising that the the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh was solely uh, sort of mostly comics, weren't you? Like, yeah. yeah, or something. That was really weird to me because comedy doesn't really count as fringe anymore. Like it's quite well known what it is and what you're going if you're going to go and sit down in a venue where they're doing stand-up comedy like you kind of know what you're in for mm. 
more or less. Like, you know, at the very basic, you're going to get a person standing up in front of you telling you things to try and make you laugh. I, I don't know if I fully agree. I think there's such a broad scope of what you can talk about and how you deliver it. And I think comedy now is very different to the form of comedy that we were listening to in the 80s or in earlier decades. But I think I can, I get what you're saying. Like the setup is predictable. Yeah. Like the, the format of the show, the run of the show compared to a theatre show, which can have so many more set pieces to it. Um, and delivery styles especially if it's an ensemble cast it's probably a lot would you say it's it's a lot more uh obvious what a single person is probably likely to do on stage yeah absolutely and like that's not to say like i've seen some really incredible stand-up or i guess mm, see i would say i've i've seen circus acts that include stand-up that are, are super insane and shocking. I'm like, yeah, that's fringe because like I had no idea that was what was coming. Um, okay. Would you think? How would you feel about something like uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanette as a as a fringe style of comedy? I don't. Uh, fringe style of comedy, yes. Fringe style of art, not so much. Like, I mean, art as we've been saying is a pretty broad scope. And I think if you're going to market a festival that is the fr at the fringes of the arts, having something that is honestly like if people say like I'm a comedian, people have a better and like more, I don't know, uh, it's not as unexpected as when people you tell people, people ask like, what do you do? You say I'm a comedian. You're like, they're like, oh, wow. Tell us a joke. Uh, you tell people you're a poet and they're like, are we in 1400 something or other? <laughs> Which is an actual thing someone said to me once. Are you serious? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm a poet. And they were like, what are we, the 1800s? What do you do? What are you, Tennyson's cousin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I, I like had to like actually explain. Like, so I get up in front of people and I read the things that I write to them and they give me money for it. <laughs> Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Would you say it's like a one-person rap battle? <laughs> and I, that's not to say that poetry is at the fringe of performing arts either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I like considering some of the like just the insane theatrical things I've seen with oh, people yeah. like opening up their hands on stage with a razor blade. Like that's a bit more fringe, I think. Or throwing uh, dog food that they've taken out of their body and thrown it into the crowd. Oh, uh, there we go. That was a particularly wild uh, mofo. I was working as a photographer, and they kind of, I was walking around, and and a lot of the, uh, <laughs> a lot of the performances aren't listed on the program, and uh, some so it's all kind of discovery based, uh, which is amazing. It's an incredible festival, uh, and someone pulled me out out of the, the crowd like you've got to go see what's happening on the uh, the stage in the Odeon mm. and I was like really? and I was like alright let's do it like ran in with the camera got to the front of the crowd and uh, oh, do you want me to tell you what I saw? because it's, it's quite graphic okay. you can't not tell us at this point no. if he doesn't like it he'll edit it out later alright there no, was a lady they're staying in so you're gonna you can, yeah. there was a lady on a table I'd come halfway through the performance uh Dirty mess. Uh, yeah, but I'd, I'd missed I'd missed the first half, uh, and she was 
naked on a table, fully fully lubed up, like um, like just covered in oil. And she was uh, fisting herself with dog food and then throwing oh. it into the crowd. Really? That's, uh, that's something. That's fringe. That's fringe. <laughs> <laughs> that's fringe, yeah. Uh, Mofo's more fringe than the Fringe Festival. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never been to the Fringe Festival, but, but Mofo's pretty fringe. I've seen some very out... There was one lady one year that... Ha- um, Started doing a sexy dance to country music, oh, which is quite funny. And then also possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Give it no Valid. Now. Some very like <laughs> ragtime keys kind of country music. And then. Uh, Careful what you say about my people's music. Threw, <laughs> threw her hat off and then instead put a cowhide on her back and started rubbing blood on her chest while uh, mooing. <laughs> and crawling around the, the and this was a room about the size of this kitchen. <laughs> you know, we were all sitting there, and the door was closed, so we watched the whole thing. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, when your brain Fantastic. just sort of sends into like over. You know, you're trying to imagine what what you're what what you just uh, described. I'm just trying, just literally imagining a lady just moving. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty out there. That is cutting edge stuff. Not not quite your prim and proper. So um, I went to the doctors one day and. Uh, <laughs> I had a steering wheel down my pants and I told he said it's driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, that really wouldn't that really wouldn't go, you know, that's complete polar opposites, but great. What, yeah. But I think that that's what that that's what you need. You need people like that that are taking these risks. Stupendous risks and doing sure. things that are just completely outside the box. Because if everyone was all insular and all really like, you know, in the box, then, you know, it'd be a pretty tight box and a pretty boring, you know. I I think I'm just gonna be the, the the advocate here for uh, in the box. Oh, I, interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we're getting enough in the box. <laughs> you know, it work. It all just sounds very sexual, doesn't it? I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I same. I just haven't slept, and it's just <laughs> it's not uh, my phrasing is is off. But uh, yeah, just. When was the last time you saw something that was just completely, completely in the realms of possible? I, I only see things on the fringe now. <laughs> <laughs> I think my fringe is uh, is a lot longer than than your fringe. I mean, potentially. Yeah. Potentially not actually. Not my not it. my real life. I I'm I'm probably a, a week shy of of having matching haircuts with you. My fringe is definitely longer than your fringe. <laughs> We were we were in we were we were today going around the flea market and and there, there was there, there was a guy and generally generally genuinely he he shouted over nice hair and I thought oh thank you and then I was like no I'm bald now <laughs> we're talking about your sorry, lovely locks sorry about you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah uh, definitely got me now um you 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 touched on photography yes um. How did you, how did you how did you know you had you had the kind of the 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 gall for that and, and what would you say for any kind of people who are who kind of like uh, yeah photographs and, and just really into what what what, well, what sort of advice would you give for those sure, people? Well, I think I'm a uh, I'm a I'm an outlier. Uh, I'm a strange case study because I've managed to make a, a career out of something I have no talent or or. Um, <laughs> Or natural gift in uh, honest of you. <laughs> I was, I was working as a uh, 
journalist and uh, that uh, I was a writing journalist and I wanted to be uh, a TV journalist and they uh, I was working for Al Jazeera at the time and they suggested that I should probably learn how to use a camera hmm. as a hobby and they recommended I get a, a, a cheap camera that had been out for a few f- few years by then. So I got this cheap camera and I started learning that and, I, and then I moved back to Australia and I was covering music festivals so I was taking photos at music festivals and writing about them um, and it was just honestly it was a it was a it was a survival thing that I started taking photos because uh, I'd be going to these three day music festivals where the art would finish at three am uh, and the story would have to be fired by eight and then it would start again at ten am wow um, and if I was just taking photos it was just a lot easier mm. um, oh, cool. Oh, cool. <clears throat> just to file my stories so I just started taking photos more and more and more and it, I used to work with other photographers and so there was this kind of um, uh, transition period where I was working with another photographer so I was doing the words and the photos and they were doing the photos until I um, until the editors started putting my photos in as well as the other person's mm. and I was like oh okay well they're kind of liking these photos and then uh, just natural attrition of uh, where I'm from in Tasmania, it's very hard for artists to make a living, so they move. So I, I think the photographer I was working with left and it was just me. And uh, Come in. Someone's knocking. Um, and so I just started... Don't you know we're doing a podcast? <laughs> You see the siren. The, what's that thing? The on air. The on air light. Goodness. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just basically uh, one one day left. I started just taking photos, and then I started getting writers to work with me, and then I started doing more video, and then I was working in TV, so I started um, directing a lot more, and uh, it worked. It basically worked out that I've I've made a career in something that I really enjoy. But um, I'm often looking at people's fo- photos on their phone being like, that's a lot better than what I could take. That's a very good eye. Like that is, <laughs> that is amazing composition. Uh, so I guess my advice would be that you can do it. Uh, they say that the first 10,000 photos you will take are shit. Um, and so you just, it's just like anything really. You just keep practicing, um, reading up on it and... Uh, if you like it, it's not a chore, mm. you know, to keep doing. And so I kind of stuck with it just because I enjoy I enjoy it. And it's a lot of fun to kind of be up the front taking photos of, of amazing artists. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, what you said about the the, uh, the 10,000 photos thing, that, that triggered into a little bit. There's that famous uh, quote that says, you know, to, be, to, to really be a master of something, you have to do it like 10,000 times. Yeah. So I think that feeds into the... You know, the first 10,000 you sure. may take may be shit, but the fact you've taken them, the fact you've learned and the fact you've discovered yeah. and, and faltered and, uh, yeah, made mistakes and tried and not tried and see what doesn't doesn't work, I think. Yeah, I think if you like the photos you take or if someone else likes the photos you take, there is nothing to stop you being a photographer. Mm, okay. I like that. And what about your, your, your creative kind of process? How, do, how, how, how does that kind of mold itself will come about how yeah how do how is um that? well for me i don't know um i think well 
the most the most I ever did to like really push having a career as a poet was show up to everything like every open mic every slam every reading even if i wasn't actually reading there just show up interesting um and yeah like honestly like with the number of poetry nights that happen regularly in melbourne alone um like going to everything every week for a year like it's basically like doing a job like you show up to like sometimes sometimes they'll be on nine things in a single week and you have to like make the call like which one do i want to go to tonight because there's three different ones um and like other weeks there's like oh there's like one thing on monday night and that's it um so and then yeah um but yeah just showing up and like just keep going even if you don't want to go it's like um hmm, i could just stay in tonight watch movies with my housemates which i definitely loved doing (laughs) back then um still do um but it's like ah but instead of that, I'll just go to this poetry thing. Mm. And it helped a lot because my best friend, who's also a poet, the one who lived in Dublin, uh, she moved to Melbourne about three weeks after I did on, on the same year-long working holiday visa. So we really kept each other accountable. It's like, hey, you go to the thing tonight? It was like, yep, you? Yep. You want to show it together? Hell yeah, let's do it. Like we'd meet up and like grab a cheap dinner somewhere beforehand and then go. Um, so I think having someone be accountable with you whose company you just absolutely enjoy to the fullest. Um, uh, That's a really easy way to get into really any sort of scene, poetry or otherwise. Um, But yeah, just showing up, contributing in whatever way you can. And then I was really lucky and won a few few really big slams. (laughs) Yeah, I was the national champion for Victoria... And the Victorian champion really? for Australia in 2016. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Sydney Opera House. What's that? You what? She uh, she performed three years in a row at the Sydney Opera House. Serious? <laughs> Fuck, how was that? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. It's the first thing I ever remember learning about Australia after the fact that it existed. Yeah, like, right. oh, and yeah. there's the Sydney Opera House. Koala, Sydney Opera House. Here's <laughs> a picture of it, even before koalas. And then I was like, what? Um, yeah, but I mean, and that's kind of the thing, like Slam, like you can put all of the talent and hard work and everything into it. But I mean, at the end of the day, Slam is come really comes down to luck and how well you know your audience. Okay. And I just happen to be really, really lucky on a couple of big slams. Okay. I've also lost a lot of slams. Yeah. Worth mentioning. I think the craziest thing f- for me coming in to watch Ariel uh, compete in slams is it's one of the only professions I've ever seen in the world where you're the people judging you are random people from the audience. Right. So they normally like most places in the world will like throw something lo- like throw lollies or something to five people in the audience. Oh, that's just Australia. Or th- yeah, or th- <laughs> three people, you know, like but you'd choose random judges, right? Yeah. Um and so those people will give a score out of 10 uh and then the person with the highest score from these judges went can't think of a single other profession where you have non-experts yeah, right. Judging the craft, you know, like even in scoring things like the Olympics, 
those are the trained professionals that know what they're looking for. But in in poetry, it can be a really variable, you know, because everyone's carrying around their own personal yeah, biases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially for something like American poetry, like uh, slam poetry, which is so politically charged. If you have a different political opinion to the person yeah, doing the poem, yeah, of course. Um, there's a very good chance you're not going to score them as high as maybe the poem deserves. We actually ran a, a different poetry night in a in Australia um, because of that, which was a, a, a different um, style of doing it where only the poets voted. So everyone okay. that competed got a single vote, which they anonymously put in. Mm. And then uh, the it, it just worked. It was awesome because we just were like, we had this system set up where if there was a case of a tie, Ariel as the MC would decide the winner. Completely arbitrarily. And we never had to to do it. We we never once had anything close to a tie. I remember we had a 16-year-old girl. We had nine poets perform. Um, The piece also had to be brand new. Um, And this 16-year-old girl won by like six votes. Wow, sixteen-year-old <laughs> girl. Okay, yeah, and like some hell? of these poets uh, were in their seventies. They'd been doing it for pretty much their whole life, hmm. um, and it was just—I guess it's also to highs back into when there's not much money into it. The community tends to uh, really take care of each other a, yeah. a bit more. Um, as much as that is a blanket statement, that has been my experience. Mm. Fabulous. Uh, I mean, thank you both very, 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 <laughs> very, very much for doing this. Thank um, you for putting a roof over our heads and feeding us and just generally like showing us a great time around Froome. You. <laughs> you are, an, uh, yeah, you're an astonishingly talented tour guide. We've <laughs> had a wonderful time. I didn't expect to see uh, a cider house with a Banksy in it. Uh, or uh, the Glastonbury tour, one of my favourite views in the world now. Oh, wow. So, thank you for taking us all around this uh, lovely part of the country of yours. Beyond a pleasure, man. Thank you for coming to see us and, and, yeah, and just on the whim, just agreeing to do this because I didn't, yeah, I didn't didn't (laughs) think we were going to get the chance to do it, but we did. Ah, So, our pleasure. Really really appreciate your time and uh, great friendship and everything. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, where do we find you? For your have you have you have you got a website? Have you got have you got a thing? You, you know, have you got uh, a place? if you Google Ariel Cottingham poetry, you can see a lot of my stuff on YouTube. Um, I also have a Facebook page, which is Ariel Cottingham. Pretty pretty easy. I will. I'll, I'll put little links uh, in the. Uh, and I'm uh, photography is Reese uh, Anderson Media on Facebook. Or uh, for video and photography work, it's uh, quicklimearts.com. So quicklime like uh, the ingredient in concrete. Fabulous. Both beautiful people. And once again, thank you so much. I love you both. Grazie mille. Grazie mille. That's a very good show. Thank you very much. I think the sun's on my side today I got a lease of life, I feel okay Need to call around, get them all out Jump in the car and get on the way Cause there's love and there's strength in numbers They can try but they're never gonna run us Down, down
them up Fifth gear, but they're never gonna race us Down, down I'm alive on a high blue skies There's nothing better Open, pass around the light Breathe it in and out, bring our gods down Yeah, this is ours for the day and the night Cause there's love and the strength in numbers They can try, but they're never gonna run us Down, down Speak as loud, it's like we're on a come up Fifth gear, but they're never gonna race us Keep it right.